Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And it's the beginning of March, so of course it's time for us to shoot the flames. That's right. We've got so much on the docket for you. We really do. It's kind of a jam-packed shooting the flames episode. And we're not even recording this until March. Oh, what's today? It's March. Oh, it is March. Lousy March weather. <laughs> How's your March going? Uh, it's pretty good, actually. Got all the festivities finally out of the way because of the COVID delays, and uh, now I can live my life. That's right. Too bad uh, we're on the doorstep of World War Three. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Did you know the movie we're about to talk to was banned in Ukraine? The only country in the world it was banned from. What? Really? Land of the Dead? As far as I could tell, yeah. Oh my lord. Well, Ukraine knows where it's at, really. Well, repercussions is all I'm saying. (laughs) Russia will not stand for a banning of a George Romero film, so they're going to enter your borders. (laughs) No, but seriously, that's kind of frightening, isn't it? I mean, like... Well, I mean, I'm just saying, the last time uh, a major power invaded another one in Europe, it started a world war, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess we don't care about Crimea. But... Ukraine did used to belong to the Soviet Union, so it's a little different. But, you know, I feel like nothing's really going to happen. The world is just going to literally stand by with economic sanctions, etc., until Ukraine is completely taken over. I don't I don't know that anything's going to happen. And if it does, Russia's probably just going to continue taking things all at once. I can completely agree with you. Either way, we're slouching towards Bethlehem. I mean, I I don't like it when I get a random Twitter update and I think it's going to be something fun. And it really says, like, Russia puts its nukes on high alert or something like that. And I'm like, yay, thanks. Or Russia fires on nuclear facility. <laughs> I'm just like, no, we cannot have World War Three. Dumb. I mean, there's lots of really, really terrible things going on in the world, but can we talk about the fuckery the Oscars are doing? Oh my god, even worse than World War Three. I mean, I think that they're just causing extra war. I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, you and I have already talked about off mic about, like, the category, the craft category dismissal of what they're doing. Yeah, so they're getting rid of film editing and, like, music and things like that yeah. so they can make more room for clips for the best picture and the actors and shit, and I'm like, fuck you. I, they're yeah. so fucking tone deaf. And I, like, I barely cared about the Oscars to begin with, especially because they keep on, like, shitting on, or at least not including... Some of my favorite films, including like this year, for example, The Green Knight. And that's true. I mean, like every year I'm unhappy with some of the choices. You know what I mean? But this is this is how the Academy works. And I love the Oscars very, very much. It's super important to me. And I enjoy like sitting down and watching all of the awards get announced. You know what I mean? I feel like every nomination deserves a moment to shine. I, I feel like the Oscars were great, you know, at a certain time, you know, but I feel like in the last 10 15 years they've really gone downhill like very steadily so when i hear you say you still love the oscars that much it's like someone saying they love Haley joel osmond today (laughs) i'm just one of the few i guess i don't know i mean like the oscars are just amazing to me if i can have one tattooed on my leg you know i never never miss the oscars and i look forward to it every year and like keep up with shit as the year goes on but i mean if they're gonna take nominations like makeup and hairstyling film editing yeah documentary short and so on and just like relegate them to some pre-ceremony thing yeah surface level only nothing that actually went into making the films exactly let's celebrate filmmaking i mean uh, <laughs> it's dumb they tried to do this again well they tried to do this a couple years ago and it didn't it didn't work they ended up putting them back into the ceremony right within like a week or so of announcing this they ended announced this a couple weeks ago and they haven't budged yet even though like entire members of the academy from like cinematography or editing are vowing to leave the academy forever because of this so i'm hoping they change their mind because we do not need another fucking clip montage no aside from that they have a fucking fan favorite yeah vote i I feel like this should be about filmmaking and it should remain prestigious because it's all about the peers right the film editors voting for the film editors etc etc and they're not only are they taking that out but now they're also 
having this whole section to like appease the masses, like it seems like patronizing and also kind of sell outy at the same time to like give this whole like people's choice award at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are campaigning. They're the little cults, the little cult machines have like spun up. Like that's the only reason we're seeing things like army of the fucking dead on the docket. I mean, my God, that movie does not belong anywhere near. I mean, it's not horrible. You know what I mean? But I mean, come on, it's, it's not, the Green Knight. It's well, which which could be an Oscar contender. I mean, I'm still surprised that it didn't get nominations for something. But Land Army of the Dead, no, there's no way. And there's another movie that Johnny Depp is in that no one in the world has heard of or seen that made like the leaderboard right only because like huge fans of Johnny Depp went and voted for this movie on mass. And I mean, it's just, it makes no sense to me. They're trying to get more viewers, obviously, and raise their ratings to sort of save themselves. But the thing is, the people who are voting for these fan favorite Oscars, like, they're not going to watch the show anyway. Yeah. They, they really don't care, you know? So stop, stop trying to pander to people who are never going to watch the Oscars to begin with. Exactly. I don't know. It just really pisses me off. So I'll get off my soapbox for a minute, I guess. Well, there's nothing to be done. We're just going to have to start our own awards or just become members of the Saturn Awards. Who knew that was as accessible as Exactly. It was? For a mere $1,000, we can vote in the Saturn Awards and get two tickets. So I say let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to get into the meat of shooting the flames? Uh, we'd like to start out our episodes talking about new reviews, but we don't have any this month. No, we don't. But we do have a voicemail. Good. Let's hear it. Hello, Tired Queens. This is Bennett calling. I just recently uh, listened to your episode on Black Swan, which I was eagerly looking forward to since, uh, like one of you guys said, that is so in the top 20 favorite films somewhere. My mom used to be a ballerina, so when the two of us were super excited to see this when it came out there. Uh, I am calling because I am going to be a little bitchy about something and point out that uh, the worldwide box office numbers that Robert reported on here was way off here. Uh, according to Box Office Mojo, yes, the budget was around $30 million, but the the um, domestic gross were at around $106 million, which is big in itself and for a movie that size and really made it into an art house crossover hit but also grossed around $222 million overseas, making for a grand worldwide total of not $130 million, like uh, Robert had reported, but somewhere in the neighborhood of $330 million, Henny. Sorry, just had to throw some RuPaul in there. But that is a big chunk of change to miss out on there, so I hope neither of you are working in banking anytime soon. All right, have a good one. Yes, we were wrong about that. And guess what? We're going to be wrong again. That was a typo because uh, we just checked our sources and you are c- completely correct. Somehow we messed up the the numbers when we were talking about that. Yeah. I So whenever we're like crafting the history part, you know, before we get into like our discussion about the movie, I I and Chris go to various sources to look for things. Oftentimes I go to box office mojo, but I feel like I rounded that number up from 329 and just did not put a three in front of it, but a one because <laughs> who would have thought that black Swan made $330 million worldwide. God damn. Like even a hundred million is huge on top of a 10 million budget. You know what I mean? So, right. but I mean, it just goes to show you that sometimes we are wrong. Right. And sometimes, you know, you can tell us that we've made a mistake. And I will graciously admit to having wrong information in my docket. Now sashay away. Now <laughs> sashay away, honey. I was talking to you. Oh, yeah. Okay, I will. Let me finish my drink. <laughs> <laughs> from our deep dive into Hellraiser, Nikki from Patreon said, Am I the only person that thinks of little yummy cinnamon rolls when I hear bites? Ignoring the spelling, of course. The one with the chattering teeth always creeps me out. Yeah, I hate cinnamon rolls with chattering teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I will never be able to hear Cenobite again. (laughs) I know, it's been ruined, like, fully. And I love it, though. (laughs) As soon as I read that on Patreon, I was dying. And then I had a cinnamon roll. (laughs) So Bennett over on Patreon said, I have been eagerly awaiting for you to cover these movies. It was just over a year ago when I finally got the courage to watch the first four movies, the only worthwhile ones from what I hear. And now it's one of my favorite horror franchises. 
If I wasn't an infant in the 80s, I probably would have been thrilled to have a different kind of horror series, a more artsy alternative to the constant barrage of slasher sequels, not to mention a franchise that doesn't shy away from a scene of sexy fucking. I mean, it doesn't shy away from that. There's lots of fucking in these movies. Yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a breath of fresh air, especially amongst its kind of horror brethren of the 80s. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we, we kind of mentioned that a lot mm-hmm. during that episode. So obviously we're, we're right there with you. I think Bennett also uh, went on to say that I've been reading Clyde Barker's novel, The Scarlet Gospels, which features a crossover between Pinhead, i.e. the Hell Priest, because Barker insists he hates the old nickname, and occult detective Harry Damore. I bring it up because an early chapter involves Mr. Damore finding a limit configuration and feeling his fingers being drawn around it by a mysterious force so that it might be opened. Maybe this offers an answer to Robert's nagging question about how people in the Hellraiser series always seem to crack these supposedly difficult boxes in record time. Consistency be damned, of course. Yeah, it still bothers me. It's always going to bother me. They just pick it up and then it's opened. But, I mean, maybe because I'm just not good at puzzles in real life that I feel kind of jealous that I just can't solve it by looking at it and Mm. shit. I don't know. I mean, but that's a really good explanation as to why. The David Dodd over on Instagram said, The cheesiest of cheese. I never know with this one. Is it so bad it's good or so bad it's complete dog shit? Anyway, I came across your show recently and I'm hooked. Big Flamer Love from Ireland. Oh my God. Thank you. Big Flamer Love from America. Thanks for joining the family over on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Would you say Hellraiser is the cheesiest of cheese? Mm, No. I can see where one might say that. I don't think it's cheesy. There's lots of other things we've covered that are much cheesier. Than Hellraiser? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, there's some cheese in this, but it's like, I don't know. And it's Gouda. Yeah, <laughs> smoked Gouda. <laughs> Aged smoked Gouda. With um, it. Yeah, I don't think that it's so bad that it's good either. I think that it's a genuinely good movie. Um, and I, I don't know that I would call it dog shit. I mean, obviously, we gave it a high rating. Um, but, I mean, whatever reason you watch it is fine. Yeah. The David Dodd continued over on Instagram and said, okay, so I totally agree with everything you guys said about this film. I always remember watching it and thinking there were huge con- continuity errors and plot holes. And yes, how the hell did she figure out the box so quickly at the end? Julia went some stiff D and will tear your whole part. Had me laughing out loud in the car on the way to work during a particularly stressful period. Speaking of hole, you should watch an Irish horror film called The Hole in the Ground. It's brilliant. I've been wanting to watch that. It is brilliant. It's a really excellent movie. Yeah. So thank you, David Dodd, for like reminding us of that. This is one we probably should put on the docket at some point for a deep dive. It's an excellent film. You would love it, Chris. It's been on my list forever. And I'm also glad that we could make you laugh during a stressful time. I mean, Chris and I are always happy when people say that we help them out in periods and I just like it when people say we're funny. At Battle Burrito over on Twitter said, we came, so the box causes Cinnabite orgasms? (laughs) Kinky. You opened it, we came. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought of it that way, but I mean, grammatically it makes sense. It does. You're right. I'm going to start saying that during every sexual encounter. (laughs) You opened it, I came. (laughs) (laughs) From our deep dive into Hellraiser 2... Nikki over on Patreon said, great episode, guys. How did you not mention how Kirsty, a regular human, put on the skin of Julia, who the hell knows what she is, but human she isn't, or how funny it was to watch Cinnabite Shenard's feet floating. I was cracking up. I didn't even really think about it until she commented that his feet are like barely touching the ground. Like his, like he's on tiptoes the whole time. Well, no, like they had to like, remember what I said during that, like they, the actor refused to get into the contraption. So they only could do close-ups of his feet in his face. And then everything (laughs) away was like someone else or like a a miniature or something. And so it just looks really Muppety. (laughs) It does. Like the whole Shinar thing just looks fucking Muppety. I can't even. Yeah. But yeah, the whole putting on the skin thing, we tried to make that sound as absurd as possible in the synopsis. (laughs) Maybe it was the way that I read it. I don't know. I just want to see that as like a, a B reel, you know, like a, a blooper take. Like she's just like sitting here while the bad guy's monologuing just around the corner, just trying to strap on the spandex <laughs> of this woman's skin. Gross. <laughs> like, ew, ew. Meanwhile, he's like, oh, the Garden of Eden. <laughs> no, it was Shenard, so it was more likely. <laughs> I love his operatic scream. Thank you for reminding me. 
Kimberly over on Patreon said, slut slaughter. Fucking LOL'd so much. You guys are demented, and I am here for it. We're here for it, too. Really. That's right. Every day. <laughs> slut slaughter. <laughs> oh, Bennett over on Patreon said, how do you bitches, and I mean that affectionately, of course, not find the sequel scary, or at least stomach churning. Maggots aside, I'm looking at you, Robert, if a scene involving razors, self-harm, and blaze skinless demon wrestling someone to death doesn't make your jaw drop in horror, what the fuck will? Well, I mean, I've seen movies that are far more stomach churning than this, and bloody and violent, you know? So maybe it's just, like, situational, but, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't scared watching this movie. No. I stand by that. I mean, like, Stomach churning, yes, in certain parts. And maggots are fucking stomach churning. Yeah. I mean, they're just gross. Yeah, there was a little bit more stomach churning stuff than scary stuff, I would say. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe under other circumstances I might be scared because, I mean, it happens from time to time that I'm not. But, I mean, I'll watch it again. We'll see what happens. Honestly, given our day jobs, I mean, well, our night jobs, I guess, for this podcast, it's a miracle that we get scared anymore at all. And Robert always gets scared, you know, at something. So, That's true. you know really we're not the barometer <laughs> you should I, ask someone else i would say that probably like the first time i watched this movie when i was younger i was probably scared by it you know but not not on this watch i'm much more scared by uh the original hellraiser of course i tell him to ask someone else and we have it as an official question to each other every deep time <laughs> <laughs> oh god so we released a poll over on Patreon uh, for our bonus episode last month, and we listed a whole variety of Hellraiser sequels for our patrons to choose from. Of course, they overwhelmingly chose Hellraiser Bloodline, but we had some pretty interesting comments on that poll. And the first one came from George, and he said, this is like opposite Sophie's Choice, which <laughs> fucking made me die when I read it. It was so funny. Orion over on Patreon also said, I think Bloodline is a better third part than Hell, than Hell on Earth, of course, which is debatable, but we, okay. we also kind of agree. Uh, and Christ on Drugs, those were some awful sequels. Having seen The Nighthouse recently, I'm really looking forward to the new one. Uh, meaning that, of course, the new Hellraiser movie is going to be done by the same director and writer combos as The Nighthouse was. That's right. And amen, really, because The Nighthouse was such a good movie. And I am just anticipating anything they create mm -hmm. Bennett said on the poll while I voted for you guys to cover bloodline for the bonus episode part of me wishes that you could still find room for Hellraiser 3 it sounded like Chris may have preferred to discuss that entry while bloodline is far more ambitious and intriguing at least in concept more than execution and hell on earth is arguably inferior I still want to hear your thoughts on the third film namely on pinhead's witty quips shocking scenes of sacrilege and that oiled up beefcake club owner who squarely aimed at gay audiences right from the get go you know I feel like if you piece together parts of our Hellraiser 2 and bloodline episodes like we talk enough about the third one yeah where there's almost a little small episode there but yeah we do need to have entire conversations about that greased up you know gay bait as well as i love that church scene oh yeah um, the church scene was great you know but the things that, that bring it down are just the schlock and like the the freaking like cds all the antiquated technology that they're using to like like turn into new cenobites and, and oh i mean so i recently just watched the third one for the first time and the fourth one obviously which we talked about in our bonus episode on, on bloodline but i kind of prefer the third movie to the fourth oh really? you know oh yeah that's right your, your rating was way lower than mine yeah yeah and i i just think the third one was a better movie but i'm telling you that fucking club owner that guy is so attractive right i don't know what it, i mean i don't know what it is he's got a nice body nice face that that sex scene was particularly i don't know explicit but um i looked him up on imdb and apparently he's done some softcore porn <laughs> so bennett go look for that and well, that movie basically was softcore porn that's true but i mean like an entire softcore porn movie so god but knows like, what's happening in that snm softcore porn that's right you opened it he came <laughs> <laughs> nikki over on patreon said i haven't seen any of these yikes maybe i'll catch up on this weekend and vote later she came back and said okay we watched through Bloodline. As Bloodline started, I said, of course we're in space. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this series, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> Me either, really. So say we all, Nikki. <laughs> so I, I threatened to continue watching the Hellraiser series, and I, and I did not yet. Although it is still very much 
in the works. I'm going to watch all those movies. I swear to God. There's something about the Hellraiser series that none of us asked for, but all of us need some sort of hidden psychosexual itch. We all need to scratch. <laughs> oh my God. And here I thought I had sussed out all of my hidden psychosexual niches. <laughs> you have way more nooks and trannies than you're aware of. <laughs> I find a new one every day. From our Up in Flames 2021 episode, George over on Patreon said, I love you guys. And I agreed with your 2021 list, despite 2021 being a huge meh year. That being said, Werewolves Within, woof. That was bad. I turned it off halfway through due to third-party embarrassment. I later finished the movie. Nope, didn't get any better. I get the cast are funny actors, but wow. Wow. Bad. Ha ha. You know, to each his own. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Like, if you enjoy Clue and things like that, and you really get the vibe of what they're going for, there was a laser-targeted vibe there. That's right. And if you're not in the mood for it, or if that's not really up your alley, then no, you're not going to like it. It's true. I mean, and like we've said many times on the podcast, I mean, like, everyone can like or dislike a film, and that's particularly fine. You know what I mean? So uh, I'd kind of like to know what your favorite movie of 2021 was. So you can let us know on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Nikki over on Patreon said, so glad you watched Lovecraft Country. Them is great, too, but it's not an anthology. I think, did we call it an anthology when we were talking about it? I, I don't know. I think she's just telling us. I don't know. Okay. I can't remember. But Love Crack Punchy is so good. Loved it. Just loved it. From our Flamers flashback episode on Single White Female, George over on Patreon said, This was a fun treat. I hope you do Basic Instinct one day. I don't know if you've ever listened to the Queer Wolf podcast. They don't really do shows anymore, but I highly recommend checking out the older ones. Several years ago, they did Single White Female and joked that those haircuts in the movie needed their own gay pride float. I, somewhat sloppily, made one for Instagram. Anyway, I appreciate your podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. And I looked at his float that he put on Instagram and it's actually quite hilarious. It's like (laughs) it's like Bridget Fonda's hair put on a float and there's a whole bunch of gay pride things going on in the background. Like, it's just really funny. There needs to be a high heel through an eyeball. Yeah, I mean, with that hair on it, too. Also, someone needs to make a new, like, retro poster for this thing, but it's a a high heel through a fucking eyeball. I agree. And as far as the Queer Wolf podcast goes, yeah, I I listened to a couple of their episodes. They're they're good, but, um, you know, they haven't done shows in a little bit. From our deep dive into Interview with a Vampire, that's a while back. Yeah, Blast from the Past. Monica over Instagram said, loved this episode. I'm a longtime fan of Anne Rice and also a gay. I just traveled to NOLA and caught some of the filming of the new AMC series. I am so lucky. You are so Well, why aren't you telling us about it? I know. (laughs) Did you sign an NDA? My God, we have to know exactly what was going on at the scene that you were looking at. Please. Go back and take pictures and become a stalker just for us. You'll be our uh, eyewitness report. That's right. You'll be our... Nightcrawler, like that movie. Yes. Yes, do it. Um, It's funny that she brought this up because Chris and I are actually traveling to New Orleans ourselves the first week in June to go to the Overlook Horror Film Festival. That's right. And it is thanks to our patrons completely that we're able to do that because 100% of the cost of the traveling and the hotels and the tickets and the access – all comes from uh, savings that we've we've gotten from our patrons. So you enabled us to do that, and we're going to hopefully come back with a lot of awesome content, right. maybe even another angry voicemail from a director. I hope so. <laughs> so thank you very, very much to our patrons. Yes, thank you very much. We're looking forward to it. And if anybody is also going to be hitting up that film festival, let us know. So maybe we can meet up and see a movie. And, and if you would like to become a patron, you should head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers to get all of our bonus episodes and join the family over there. Obviously the bulk of our comments came from Patreon this month. So there is oh, yeah. lots of conversation going on. Oh yeah. There was a lot of flurry of replies on that uh, poll that we dropped for Hellraiser. That's right. I love our patrons each of them have their own distinct personality and it's so fun to interact with them and it's just one of the one of the things that we love the most about having a podcast that's right we have a question from an email okay yeah bennett sent us an email and said i know you've got a jam-packed season coming up this year but might that include a martin scorsese month which could cover cape fear from 1991 and shutter island 
just a thought, since I know Chris mentioned the latter at some point, I probably mentioned Shutter Island a few times just yes. because it's one of those perfect examples of like horror, but horror adjacent at the same time, like the historical drama, psycho thriller, uh, that's completely recontextualized the next time you see it. Like it's two different movies in one, at least, you know? And so it's just like really, really high quality. I, I love everything about it. Um, I don't know that I give it a five star, but it's definitely something that's definitely deep dive worthy at some point. And I would agree because I just saw it recently for the first time with Chris and I really enjoyed it. And he always talks about how different it is on the second watch. And I'm super interested to know what that feels like. Also, I think that Cape Fear is like a seminal, like horror adjacent 90s film, which I love and I've seen many, many times. So I'm not opposed to talking about that in a deep dive. Like we've said on the podcast a lot, like we have movies planned up until like 2023 at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that. Yeah. Well, we, we do move some things around. We do. You know, and as far as Scorsese goes, like there's a lot of adjacency in his his career. Like I'd love to talk about The Departed. Oh my god, that's such a good movie. You're right. You know what? Bennett, stay tuned. We might move some things around. He keeps doing this. Didn't he also heavily influence our Basic Instinct Showgirls month that's coming up? I think we were already planning that. It was just like we, know, oh, we moved it up. Yeah, we moved it up is what we did. Because yeah. it was on our plan of things we wanted to do. Uh-huh. But we moved it up because he asked for it specifically. So uh, obviously we're we're definitely into it. So if not this year, then coming soon, yeah, we'll, we'll for definitely sure. be doing Scorsese. And we are open to suggestions, guys. So keep them coming in. You know, I mean, like we have movies that we want to talk about for sure. But people sometimes remind us of things that we like. And I mean, we're influenced. So, yeah. We have a new patron. Oh, my God. That's right. No new reviews, but a new patron. Welcome, Gia, to the Patreon family. We're happy to have you. And we also have to shout out our patrons who are at the Film Flamer tier or higher, and they are... Ben. Dr. Joe. Kimberly. Kyle, who went from a $2 to a $10 pledge. Hey, Kyle. Lisa. Nikki. Penelope. And Wallstrich. <laughs> but especially Wallstrich. <laughs> Horror News. So we have a whole bunch of news items, um, at least more than we've had in the months previous, right? At least recently. And the first one is Stephen King's The Boogeyman is headed to the screen. Finally. And this is a this is a short story, right? Yes. It's my favorite Stephen King short story because it's the scariest. It scares the shit out of me every time I read it or listen to it. But it's, uh, it's going to be a Hulu movie, which is completely fine. Yeah. But um, – They've already changed the plot a little bit. As long as you don't block my access, I'm fine with that. Oh, no, I would never do that to you. I would never Hulu block you. God, only cock block. Oh, my God. Um, so the original story is about this man who's going to see a psychiatrist because his kids have all been killed by this supernatural being that's now kind of hunting him. But when I was reading the plot synopsis for this, it's about two women who are coming to terms with the death of their father, who was a psychiatrist who had a scary patient in their home. And I'm like, oh, God, I mean, like, they're really taking something that's truly, truly frightening to me and making it sound kind of bad. But, I mean, it's kind of hard to turn this into a feature-length film. It's been made into a short film already back in the 80s, which was good. But I've always waited for a a bigger-scaled adaption of this, and I feel like I'm just not going to be happy with it. Well, we'll see. I mean, I'll watch it anyway. Well, uh, Netflix has a new Bioshock movie, and it was officially announced, and I'm very excited for that. I thought you might be. Yes. Yeah, because I I played that game, and it scared the shit out of me. I almost... So I used to have this uh, apartment with a with a sunroom that was enclosed, and so the there was like sliding door. I guess it used to be like a balcony or something okay. that, that they enclosed. So I had the sliding glass doors behind me, and I was playing this game, and I'm like in a dentist office in Bioshock, right? Because it's this underwater community with dentist office and malls and residences and all all kinds of shit theaters. Uh-huh. And so I'm in this dentist office. I'm just looking for shit, you know, supplies, and there's a body on the table. I'm like, okay, there's body. You know what I mean? And so I go over and I'm rummaging through things and I turn around, the body's gone. Right. I'm like, okay. So I continue and I'm like, fuck that. So I continue and I'm rummaging around, uh, lights turn off, turn back on. And I'm like, holy shit. So I turn around and literally right in front of my fucking face is this body that was there and it's not a body. And I literally pushed away from my computer screen because it was right there in my face and nearly broke the, like the plate glass, like, (laughs) (laughs) 
doors behind me and uh your husband was there at the time and he could not stop laughing at me i mean i've he's told me this story actually because he has also played bioshock i mean i'm not a big game player but he'll be playing something he only plays this during the day right when he wants to revisit the game but i've walked through several times and i'm like this seems really fucking creepy it is yeah it's really (laughs) really cool though because this whole the whole background of bioshock is like it's this guy that was really into like um uh like Ayn Rand crap. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, this is only for like the free thinker. This is only for like the super for, you know? And so we built this community below the ocean and, uh, called rapture. And so the story is called Bioshock, but the actual city is called rapture okay. and it's this community and there's like all these great minds and they're all inventing stuff without any kind of government oversight and weird drugs and all kinds of different things going on and and there's some creepy ass shit that goes on there that's basically you're visiting it after it's collapse right that's neat and so there's different like gangs and mutants that have formed mm. and there's different things that are broken down and collapsing and there's giant guys in like diver suits coming after you. There's little girls that are not quite human involved. <laughs> I think a, I've seen some of those walking in and out of the room while he's playing. A whole bunch game. of political commentary, and it's really, really interesting. Okay, so let's talk expectations for a minute then. Would you rather see a Bioshock movie or a Bioshock like limited series? I feel like the series would be better, like a really high budget. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when when video games become movies, I think that they ultimately have to cut some things that maybe they shouldn't. And if you have a little bit more time to explore, and I feel like Netflix should do a series for this, but I don't know. I feel like it it could use like, like it could be like the Rose red treatment, right? Where it's like a mini series. Yeah. And then you get like the prequel to it, which is like the diary of like Emily Rose or something Mm -hmm. like that. It was like the prequel. Cause I'd love to see the, the creation of rapture and then like the fall of it after is a whole complete different genre and story. You know, and I'd love something like that where it's like a, a two season or a two part miniseries or something like that. But one movie, I feel like is barely scratching the surface. And there could be sequels. I mean, obviously, we don't know because Netflix like famously keeps things under wraps until it's time. Like sometimes they don't have trailers until like a week before the movie's released, right? But oh, whenever yeah, I this... felt like their League of Legends show that came out of nowhere, and I had zero fucking interest in League of Legends, right? Yeah. I watched that show; it was fucking excellent. The animation is something like I've never seen before it was amazing it's like a moving uh you know the like the concept art that's kind of painterly and everything mm-hmm. that's how it's animated the whole thing is basically concept art brought to life yeah. so i mean it could surprise you i guess you know but uh i know when this was announced like it seemed like the internet exploded all over social media people were talking about it and like retweeting this news so i know that people are very very excited well also kind of like i'm old you know it's like i feel like they didn't strike the iron when it was hot you know this game came out like mid two thousands, I yeah. want to say, and it's been fifteen years almost. Well, I mean, obviously, if they're making a movie now, I think its popularity is still pretty present. Hopefully, right? You know, or there's a lot of passionate, small passionate group of people that want to see it. But it's been in the movie uh, development hell for that many years. Well, God bless Netflix because it was extremely cinematic when it came out. They're gonna make it happen. Anyway, enough about me. So, Queer for Fear, The History of Queer Horror, a limited series from Shudder and developed by Brian Fuller, is coming soon. So I know, I knew that they were making this limited series or this documentary. I didn't know how long it was going to be, but a lot of people in the queer horror community sort of like have their fingers in it. And there's no real, like, we're still doing phrasing or... (laughs) That's right. They had their fingers deep in it. <laughs> so remind my refresh my drink on Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller created the series Hannibal, for one. Fuck yeah, yeah, and and lots of other movies. He's edited and directed and written lots of horror movies. He's a very vocal queer horror director and filmmaker. Right. I'd love to see his version of Alien. Really, after seeing Hannibal. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I Brian Fuller is great. I listen anytime that he's on a podcast, like I listen to it because he's just, just he's just an amazing man to listen to. He loves film, and he is not shy about like being gay, and I love that. And I feel like you know, I feel like the queer community really loves horror, and 
we are not quite represented always in the best light in horror movies, you know, like other groups of people are not either like marginalized groups. And I'm anxiously awaiting to see like what this docu series has or the people they have talking about or the movies they are going to be talking about. One of the people who are on the queer wolf podcast is involved in this movie. And I, it's, I think it's just going to be great. So he did, he was actually started his career as a writer on deep space nine and Voyager. Okay, really? Yeah, I don't know that. Has something to do with Carrie uh, yeah, from he, 2002. He did Carrie, yeah, the TV remake, right? And uh, I remember seeing that. And then uh, Dead Like Me, uh, Wonderfalls, mm-hmm. Heroes, Pushing Daisies, Mockingbird Lane, Hannibal, which was amazing. Uh, he was a developer, writer, and executive producer on that. American Gods, yes, where he took a lot of the people from Hannibal, I think, like a lot of his crew. Uh, and apparently, like, some of the new Star Trek stuff. He's also a really big Stephen King fan, so I know that there's a new Christine movie that's in the works, and he's supposed to be writing and directing that for Blumhouse. Yeah. So, I mean, he's... I mean, Hannibal alone is enough to, like, make him a star. Well, speaking of horror ingenues, taking, you know, legendary stuff and bringing it to the screen, uh, there's a new Alien movie by Fetty Alvarez. Yes. And produced by Ridley Scott for Hulu. Yes. And this mo- this news just dropped about 45 minutes before our recording, so this is fresh. That's right. This is super fresh news. We just found out about it before we sat down to record this episode. So Fidi Alvarez uh, did Don't Breathe. He also did the remake of Evil Dead several years ago, which I think is a great reboot movie. Eh. I mean, this man does not shy away from the gore. I haven't seen a single one of his movies other than that, I guess. I haven't seen the Don't Breathe series because I keep getting told that they're not good, except they keep making huge amounts of money. The first one's good. The second one, no, not at all. Okay. But, um, and he also co-wrote and produced the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix, which I haven't watched yet. So Yeah, but he didn't direct it. So right. he has a little bit of saving grace there, maybe. But I mean, like he's he's becoming a really big name in horror these days, and I would like to see what he does with an alien film. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I if someone said they were making an alien movie, I wouldn't be upset with it. You know what I mean? No matter who was making it, I'd yeah. be happy to watch it. I just we we already have a great director who has a whole idea with Sigourney Weaver, you know, and everything to do That's it. Right. Ridley Scott like shut that down because he was doing Prometheus and Covenant. Great, fine, but let him pick that up back up. You talk about Blancamp, yeah, Blancamp, yeah. Blancamp, I mean, like, who has an existing that, right? relationship with with these people. You know what I mean? And you know, or even like people that would maybe go back into it. You know, like I'd love to see um, Alex Garland do oh, a yeah. take on Alien, or you know, Hell, a return uh, to sci-fi by the guy that did Sunshine. Oh, Danny Boyle. Yeah. Yes, that'd be great too. I mean, like there are so many people that could, and I feel like this franchise is never going to be dead. You know what I mean? I think like it, it can live on forever and there's so many different filmmakers and writers that can like have a part in it. And I know that there's a Hulu series coming out. And I also read this week that it is for sure that the series will not focus on Ripley. In fact, it will take place years Perhaps yeah. centuries before. No one's Ripley. touching Ripley yeah. with a ten foot pole. No, right it will never. It's not going to happen. So anybody who wants to Sigourney see Sigourney wants Ripley, to. I mean, like, okay, the money truck is was backing up, and now it's on its way again. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, I would love it. I mean, I would love to see Ripley back in something. But. Literally, everyone wanted that Sigourney Weaver like Aliens sequel by Neil Blomkamp, including her and Neil Blomkamp and everyone else that was involved, but Ridley Scott. So how do we do it? How do we like petition to make that movie? I don't know why Ridley Scott owns this. Like, why is he have an owning opinion? He did the first movie. He did not write it. He did not. No, he was the, he stepped on as like a replacement director mm-hmm. for alien. That is it. Right. If anyone is responsible for the explosion of the franchise, it would be James Cameron. It's true. Right. Bring fucking James Cameron back. Shit. Or Sigourney Weaver. Right. <laughs> Sigourney, you direct. Please do it. I don't know. Either way, if it says Alien, I'm going to watch the fucking movie. So yeah. I'll watch the series. It's all, I mean, it's all part of the franchise that I love already and newly love some of the other movies that I thought that I hated, but I was wrong. So clearly I'm just going to love everything. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see, Feedy. We have to close out our news with some sadness, though. Uh, Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman passed away at 75 in February. So. Rip in peace. He'll be missed. I think Ghostbusters is a fantastic horror comedy. 
and a movie that I've watched many, many times. And so I feel like eventually one day we'll probably deep dive this one as well. So, but Ivan Reitman had his hand in a lot of other comedies, things like Animal House, right, as a producer and writer and stuff. So he was a force in Hollywood. So R.I.P. Coming soon. Oh my God, Robert, we have a veritable treasure trove of trailers this month yet again. That's right. It seems like Hollywood just like blew its wad all over us. And I think we have the Super Bowl to thank for that. Mayhaps, because we're starting with Jordan Peele's Nope. That's right. A movie that we have been looking forward to finding anything about since they mysteriously dropped a poster for it. The poster is amazing. Love it. It gave me kind of like Alien It vibes. Mm -hmm. And this trailer is definitely giving me Alien vibes. And we're talking like X-Files aliens. We're talking like little greys, right? And uh, there's a double entendre going on here, right? Because there is the nope that we would attribute to like Nikki. That's right. Right? Noping out of that situation. But also nope being an acronym for not of planet Earth. Which I wouldn't have thought of in a million years. So I think that's brilliant. Um, there's lots of little subtle things happening in this trailer that make it just look amazing. Like it seems very Jordan Peele, right? Which I mm-hmm. love. Yeah. There's um, a little bit of tongue in cheek going yes. on. And I mean, like there's just some subtle things like that woman's veil lifting up over her face and it seems like scarred in weird areas. And I've seen some stills online that make it look especially creepy, mm-hmm. but I feel like, Like, this is going to be an amazing horror movie, and I'm very, very much looking forward to it. The cast is amazing. Oh, yeah. So, and Jordan Peele, I mean, like, I'm going to watch whatever you make, but I'm super excited for Nope. Have you seen the new new poster they have? No. There's a horse. So, they they replaced that sort of spaceship-looking thing in the sky with a floating horse and, like, (laughs) trash and stuff, like, floating all around it. Nice. Like, yeah, it just looks neat. So. Okay. Good, good movie. Uh, We also have a trailer for the Doctor Strange sequel, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Directed by Sam Raimi. That's right. I feel like we have talked about this movie a lot on Shooting the Flames since they announced it. I remember our very first first podcast, Nook, talking about the plans for this movie. Right. And we have been talking about this literally since our podcast inception. That's right. And it is finally coming to fruition. And we have to say, like, this trailer does not disappoint, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I have famously said that I'm I'm just not the biggest superhero fan, or at least I sometimes suffer from superhero fatigue. But when Chris had me watch Dr. Strange for one of our bonus episodes on Patreon, I just fell in love with that movie and that character. And even that was horror adjacent, but this seems like really, really horror adjacent, if not just straight on horror. It, yeah, it could be, you know, I, I definitely saw a uh, WandaVision, which you're going to catch up on. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of horror adjacency there, you know, and Doctor Strange is meant to have that. Right. You know, and so it looks like they're getting closer and closer to that. And the first movie did have some horror adjacency, and this is going to have a lot more of that, you know, and uh, I am here for it. I mean, me too. Like for, I mean, this is the first time in a very long time that I actively want to go see a Marvel movie in the theater, like opening night, kind of like midnight showing kind of thing. Like I'm so ready for this. It's, yeah. yeah. Just unbelievable. So Sam Raimi, you better not fucking disappoint. I know Bruce Campbell's in it. So that's enough for me too. <laughs> so next up, we've got a trailer for men, which is new from Alex Garland. That's right. We recently covered Annihilation back in January, and we talked at length about how much we like Alex Garland and his work. And so I feel like I'm looking forward to this movie. I think the trailer looks incredibly creepy. It does. And it could go anywhere, right? And uh, it could go into an interesting kind of fable type of place. It seems like it could go into like a Cthulian Lovecraftian kind of in the mouth of madness kind of place Mm -hmm. Uh, or both or all of the above. It looks like it's very, very keeping things close to the chest. And I like that because I always love an Alex Garland story to unfold in front of me with no expectation. And I agree. I I feel like the, he's directing these movies and they're they're turning out to be very very good, and I I'm kind of getting like a, a folk horror kind of religious vibe from this too. Like I just really have no idea where it's going to go, and that's super intriguing to me. But the way this trailer is presented, like it just looks really scary, and I think that's kind of kind of new territory for Garland. I mean, like he does a lot of like sci-fi adjacent horror adjacent stuff, and this just looks kind of straight on horror. 
So yeah. I'm ready for it. So next up is a trailer from Dario Argento. So the master of Giallo is back with a new movie called Dark Glasses. And it just looks like an Argento movie. Essentially. It does. Yeah. Except I mean, for the, it doesn't have the insane palette. No, it seems more of a, a normally filmed movie, but I mean, it's like, it's got the dark gloves and it's got blood everywhere and insane murders and things like that. So, I mean, it's everything that we know and love about Dario Argento. And, um, I mean, I'm happy to see it. So I know this is going to be released sometime in March here in the States, at least in a streaming capacity. Yeah. Next up, we've got Jurassic World Dominion, where it seems like they're tying everything together with this new trilogy. And uh, I know that you're a huge fan. Yes. Um, I'm not as much. I love that. But it looks like we're getting some Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum back and a number Mm -hmm. of others. And it looks kind of exciting in that way. But, you know, of course, I'm drinking the Nostalgia Kool-Aid, too. So, you know, I'll, I'll definitely sit down and watch this one, but it may not be in the theater for me. I'm definitely going to see it in the theater. I have seen every Jurassic Park movie except for three in the theater and this last trilogy i just especially love i don't know why it was just popcorn fun you know but like i was like almost literally in tears watching this trailer i just i thought it was so good and and there is a lot of nostalgia going on obviously with these characters coming back and um some of the old dinosaurs coming back like the one that spits and shit you know like like, I'm just happy with it, and I'm happy with any sort of Jurassic Park movie, so bring it on, really. But um, the one thing I didn't really care for is dinosaurs, like, tramping around in the snow. Yeah. Aren't they reptiles? Yeah. How does that work? They die. That's right. So, way too many snow dinosaurs <laughs> to be believable. Well, I think that's part of the point, right? They're not where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, the whole thing is not believable anyway, but if I see a dinosaur like walking through snow, I'm just like, meh. I mean, at this point with these movies, you're watching a cartoon. Okay. Right. I mean, yeah. And it's, it's all a combination of like nostalgia and like music and whatnot. It just works for me apparently. So I'm ready for this one. I'll be there opening day for that one too. Next up is Firestarter. So another Stephen King reboot remake. I don't know. I never saw the original. The original's good. It's John Carpenter. Uh, yeah, I know. And it has, you know, America's sweetheart. That's right. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Until we stabbed her in the 90s. That's right. <laughs> so, but this one is supposed to be a lot more similar to the book. And from the trailer, I can sort of see that. Right. I don't know if that's like a good or a bad thing. I mean, the book is good, in my opinion. You know, but I I like the original movie, even though there were some, some aspects of it that were different from the novel. It's still just a good movie, you know? There was a movie that came out a number of years ago called Midnight Special that really reminds me of this story. And I don't know how influenced it might have been, but the way they're framing this story seems a lot more like in line with that, except this seems to be alluding that the little girl is actually kind of like evil. Yeah. I mean, she can go either way. I think is the point of the book. Like you have to like get them at the cusp and like, you can make her good or make her bad. Like there's the shop, right? It's the evil organization that's trying to get her. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have not seen midnight special. I really want to, I don't know why I haven't watched that movie yet. Cause I wanted to see it when it came out, but, um, yeah, I mean, Zac Efron is in this, and um, I know that the score was written by John Carpenter, so at least he's yeah. having some sort of input in it. It but looks good. Yeah, I it, mean, it almost kind of looks Spielbergian. Really. Uh, yes, very much. You know, so I'm kind of here for it. But yeah. like any other Stephen King thing, I'm kind of here for that too. Next up, we've got a movie called Deep Water, and this was a teaser trailer. This will be out on Hulu in just a couple weeks, so like mid-March. And I know this movie has been completed for a couple years. It was pushed back pandemic-wise and it's now found a home on Hulu. But it stars um, Ben Affleck and what's her name from Blade Runner? Oh, fuck me. Blade Runner and Knives Out. Yeah. And the new Bond movie. Anna Darmus, is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, she's she's great. And... um. Like, I'm really looking forward to this movie, mostly because, like, this is directed by Adrian Lin, right, who directed um, Fatal Attraction and Indecent Proposal and lots of those, like, sexy sex thrillers. When's the last time that 
he made a movie. It's like almost 20 years ago, I think. It's been a long time, right? Well, it definitely looks sexy. It does, right? And it's based on a novel by Patricia Highsmith, who did like the talented Mr. Ripley in Strangers on a Train, right? So she's no, she's no slouch when it comes to the Hitchcockian like thriller vibes, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I'm I'm interested to see like what this movie is. So yeah, same. I'll watch it. Last up in our incredibly long list of trailers is one that really just looks spectacular for the wrong reasons. And this one is Amityville in space. No. (laughs) It looks like it was made in PowerPoint. (laughs) Their effects were done with MS Paint. Why do you like these trailers? I don't know. Because I love it when I find a trailer where a movie just looks especially bad, you know? I mean, I really enjoyed the trailer for Aquarium of the Dead. And like I really Sharks in the Corn the or whatever it was. Yeah, Sharks in the Cornfield and shit like that. I mean, like, sure, you know? Uh, I mean, Amityville obviously is a franchise into itself, but um, obviously it has nowhere else to go but in some sort of black hole. This is not official. They cannot – like, Amityville is a real – like, a name. Like, they can't copyright a name, right? And so this is not officially part of the franchise. No. I mean, Amityville is also the name of a town, too. Yes, so you can say whatever you want. Yeah. They can't copyright that. So this these people are literally just using the name Amityville. <laughs> I mean, it looks... To catapult this idea into space. It looks fucking stupid. Where the movie should be catapulted as well. Because I, it looks like a pile of shit. <laughs> I mean, it really does. I couldn't tell if this was a real movie or like some porn parody of Amityville. I don't know. It looks like a, a joke trailer, really. Like, I don't even know this is a real movie. It's a real movie. Jesus Christ. It's coming out. And we're going to watch it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Prepare yourself. Gird your loins. Guys, we want to know what you think about these trailers and news items that we've talked about. You can find links to these in the show notes. So go check them out and let us know what you think. Well, guys, I think that about wraps up this episode of Shooting the Flames. That's right. As always, uh, we want to know what you want to add to the conversation. You can find us on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com. Or you can call us at 972-666-7733. Feedy my Alvarez. We're queer for fear. we have a lot more content coming out for you in march as always we're talking zombies and we're going to wrap up the george a romero dead series by talking about land of the dead and diary of the dead on the main feed and then over on patreon we'll be showing you the final film so far in the of the dead series and that is called survival of the dead that's right so like we said earlier head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers and join the family and get prepared for that bonus episode also we need some reviews guys so apple podcasts or itunes give us a five-star review and why you like us and we're going to read that on our next shooting the flames episode this is probably the longest dearth that we've had yeah it's it's a drought for sure yeah I think we've, our last one was in last year. Still. Yeah. It was in like the fall of last year. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. How embarrassing. I know it's been a while. We're, we're beginning new ratings. We just haven't been getting new reviews. That's right. We like their written word though. Yeah. So We're going to read out loud what you say. That's right. And Put some cool. words into our mouths. <laughs> our gaping maws are ready. <laughs> well, on that note... I think it's time for us to go off and stuff our gaping moss and have some sweet dreams. Holy shit in space. <laughs>